0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Inside Line F1 podcast. And Formula One is finally back. And so, I'm going to put Kunal Shah on the spot. Kunal, what's the first word that comes to mind when you think
1: of Formula One in the second half of Formula One? Are you really looking forward to it? Yeah, I am. It uh, The word that comes to my mind is actually formula fun. Ah, huh, definitely. For real. Not the answer you were expecting, I Yes.
0: No, no, it clearly isn't because I was expecting you to say, oh, yeah, Formula One, boring, dull, because that's honestly what's going on in my mind. What do you think of Formula 1.5? Well, that's a different question altogether. But in this particular episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast, we're going to be talking about what you should really keep an eye out. On the second half of the Formula 1.5 season. Formula 1, it's over and done with. Nothing to do over there. So let's not even talk about that anymore. But welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast, folks. My name is Somal Arora. I'm the host of the Indian Racing League on Star Sports, joined by Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team, who's now an FIA accredited F1 journalist and also a member of the Viaplay TV Network's broadcast crew in terms of the consultancy part and also on camera. So, Let's talk about the sport. Let's talk about uh, what we really look forward to in Formula 1 in the coming half of the year, Kunal. Because we did a full hour-long episode, I think a couple of weeks ago, where we spoke about the things that we really enjoyed or missed in the first half. We very briefly left like a five-minute segment at the end where we said, okay, these are five or six things that you should really watch for. So
1: why don't we build upon that? Why don't we look out for more things that you should really keep an eye on? Let's do that. Let's also sort of say, yes, finally, the summer break is over. It's race week. We're going to look forward to Sun Food. And this is not a Sun Food special. The Sun Food special comes a couple of days before Sun Food actually happens. Uh, we, Samuel, we should also say how fantastic a summer break we had, because we had Ravi Shastri, the Indian cricketing legend, on the podcast as a special guest. That episode was really well-received. And then we had an offline event with Jehan Daruwala in Mumbai. Packed audience for three hours, they were sitting and listening to Jehan's incredible motorsport stories samuel and i actually hosted this episode f1 stats guru hosted a quiz out there it was an incredible incredible experience it was a one of a kind event uh, we hope to do a lot more like this with your motorsport heroes we're not going to give out names just yet uh-huh. but there will be a race screening for uh the 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 dutch grand prix as well but those details will come uh As the week sort of evolves, Samuel. As the race week evolves. Oh, yes. It's finally a race week. And it's been, what, three weeks?
0: So it feels good. I think this break is helpful because I can now say that at least I miss some elements of Formula 1. Not Max Verstappen dominating. We're not going to give that more than a minute, as we always tend to do on the podcast. But let's actually focus on the elements that would be really fun to watch in this season. And I have a few questions lined up for you, Kunal. And again, I know that you have many as well. But my first thing to get really out of the way is by what point will Sergio Perez be dropped from the Red Bull team? We know it's happening. At some point, he will. Because Christian Honor has come out and said that, hey, we're supporting Checo. So inevitably,
1: I bet that within the next three and a half, four weeks, he'll be gone. Straight up. Well, I bet the other way. I think Checo is not like your regular Red Bull junior who's been promoted. He was bought As a free agent from the market, we've kept reading of how he's helped sell so many Red Bull cans. There is a massive commercial arrangement in the whole Checo hiring, whether it's Red Bull Mexico, whether it's other Mexican sponsors, etc. And, you know, after having known how Checo deals back from our Force India days, he would have had some really tight, watertight contracts. If I'm told to go, there is a financial penalty. Also, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if his contract has a clause where he cannot be demoted to Alpha Tauri, which is Red Bull's classic way of dealing with underperforming drivers.
0: Oh, huh. Actually, I have a question on this one. Do Red Bull sign contracts before all their drivers centrally, like to Red Bull, and then they can juggle around for whatever team they race for? Or do they sign a contract with Red Bull or Alpha Tauri?
1: What's the deal normally like, Kunal? it's actually centrally done with red bull you're you're employed by red bull and then you're just sublet to either of the teams ah. that red bull actually funds and interestingly and you know one of the drivers we will talk about later on in the show alexander Alban, when he was dropped altogether from even alpha tauri and whatever else that he was doing red bull energy drinks was one of the sponsors that paid for his seat at williams so they didn't get visibility there But it was a Red Bull-backed seat that Alvin had a couple of years ago when he came back to Williams. But that's a story for the ages. Oh, exactly. But we need to talk more about other contracts and other details as
0: well. Because in this next six months, Kunal, we are going to get some negotiations done. And the main and most important one of them all, Lewis Hamilton. Is he going to sign? When is he going to sign? How is he going to sign? And honestly, the big question on my head is, what are they genuinely going to negotiate on? Because there's no amount of extra money that can make his life better or worse. There's no amount of extra freedom that can make his life better or worse as a Formula One driver. I think he's the most independent of them all in that regard, in terms of what he can say, what he can do,
1: where he can go. So honestly, what do they negotiate on? I just get confused sometimes. That's so interesting. Maybe they're just waiting for a good day where the stars aligned and they actually go and make an announcement. And I always say, you know, I find this very cheeky. I think the last time they did an announcement, it was on a Saturday after all the media houses were shut and then you had the broadcast (laughs) on a Sunday and you're like, oh my God, how do we even make a story out of this? But, you know, fun ways of how some of these announcements come. Uh, I have a feeling this is going to be his last F1 contract. Ooh. Yes, I see that. Yeah, I have a feeling this is going to be his last F1 contract. So it's probably also linked to what uh, will they do together after his retirement. Maybe that's what uh, is also part of the negotiations. I'm pretty sure of that. I I mean, they have emotionally signed. I don't know if a court of (laughs) law would accept that as enough. Maybe fans already do. Maybe that's all that matters. Exactly. But don't you think it's all
0: inevitable? Because who even here doubts the fact that Lewis Hamilton is not going to sign a contract? And I think it's just over-reporting from all the media houses about every single development that happens in driver contract contract extensions. That just makes it boring these days to the point where any driver switch is just inevitable. It doesn't feel like half of a big event as it used to a few years ago when the rumors were few and far-fetched. Don't you think so, Kunal?
1: Actually, that's a very, very interesting point because typically rumors come out a few days, sometimes a few weeks before the actual announcement, right? And then everybody's wondering, is it going to happen or not? Is it going to happen or not? And then suddenly it happens like, ah, but we knew the rumor already. That's a very interesting point because the minute a rumor is released, it sort of dilutes the whole need to actually make the announcement. I mean, assuming the announcement happens, whereas, you know, before the, the day and age of social media, When the announcement happened, it actually was a massive announcement. So would I like to go back to that where there are no rumors and just pure statements and announcements? Absolutely. Because right now, fake news is peddled every second on social media. Exactly. Even in the world of football at times. I
0: know there are so many great journalists like Fabrizio Romano and the likes who are able to give you every detail at the moment that it happens. But I don't know. Sometimes it feels like over-information And I'll tell you what else also feels like over-information. The fact that there are other drivers who don't quite have a contract signed in yet, people like Nico Halkenberg, people like Valtteri Bottas, but it just feels like they are going to carry on in their role anyway because the rumors have already been sort of swirling around that there's no other replacement lined up. So, it's just another thing
1: to look forward to about when those extensions happen as well. Yeah, I mean, the only time something like this could, you know, sort of get a little threatened, the status quo would get threatened where an existing driver doesn't get uh, extended, is where if a rookie steps into one of the FP1 seats and literally goes and smashes a great lap time and sparks off some conversations and some thoughts. Because FP1 sessions will also happen in the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. Remember, by rule, there are two FP1 sessions where teams compulsory have to field a rookie driver. Right. So that's the story sort of that we will look forward to in the second half of the season. Interestingly, a lot of teams actually just put an FP1, uh, put a rookie driver in an FP1, put all the sensors and contraptions on the car and tell them to drive 20 seconds slower. Now, that's definitely not (laughs) what the driver or the fans want. But hey, the regulations don't say that the rookie has to drive at a particular lap time.
0: Uh, it's a shame and then eventually those seats just get sold out to young drivers who w- are willing to pay so I don't know it doesn't quite fi- fix the purpose or rather so- solve the problem how can you fix a purpose of something actually I had a very fun discussion on this with another friend of mine and we debated for 30 minutes about can you serve the purpose or can you solve the purpose but that's a different thing altogether that's not what you should be looking forward to what you should be looking forward to is the rumors about budget cap breaches because soon Kanal. We are going to get the FIA's report on this. And there are rumors swirling around. I know we're not adding to it because just a couple of moments ago, we said that, hey, we hate rumors and we hate what they do. But here we are talking about rumors again. (laughs) But there are rumors saying that a couple of teams have actually breached them second year
1: in a row. Second year in a row, two teams uh, breached it last year. Will it be two different teams breaching it this year. Will it be Red Bull again? Could it be Red Bull in a different category? They had catering last year. Could it be that they're testing a different category, given that Formula One teams actually keep testing a lot of things, right? So, but yeah, I mean, we're just bantering on this. Maybe I the get Checo is crash fund? That could be one. That could be one. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, let's see how it evolves. I think the breaches will definitely then strengthen... Uh, more uh, strengthen the resolve in sort of tightening more budget cap breaches in the future could there be sporting regular penalties and not just technical ones because one of the other questions that we've Somil and I were, were discussing is by what point will Red Bull's uh, budget cap breach from the previous year actually yeah. show up as uh, as a penalty in their performance this year I mean i have a feeling that the by the by the point that uh, you know deficit shows up red bull's going to have clinched all the titles anyway this year wait have they not already i think technically exactly i mean it, you know that's whole that whole thing of mathematical mm-hmm. mathematically they'll be able to win it by this race that time etc so that's probably what's going to happen uh this year as well by what point will red bull certainly find a deficit. But this is an interesting category of discussion, Somal, because it not just involves Formula One includes the FIA because budget cap breaches. We spoke of the technical breach uh, or the technical uh, limitations that f- you know Red Bull has had this year for development. Similarly, at what point will new teams be actually welcomed oh. into Formula One? Because the FIA is pretty certain that one or at least two teams uh, will uh, could get a nod right? And here's the interesting part. The FIA can give you a license to participate in Formula One, but the commercial agreement has to come from FOM or Liberty Media, right? So it's it's an interesting, you might just say, hey, I have a license to participate in Formula One, but I don't know if I'm going to make money from my Formula One operations (laughs) because that is controlled by Stefano and team. And guys and girls, by 11th team, we do not mean the Apex Grand Prix, Uh, But Samuel, here's an interesting point. What if Brad Pitt would have been one of the bidders for the 11th team? Maybe he should have just joined hands with Andretti even more so. I mean, the way he's been welcomed into the paddock for his film.
0: Yeah, at least we might get an Andretti on the grid somehow with that. Even if you had to brand it as Andretti XGP and just make the... And ready parts are, and I just got it Apex GP anyway, and still have a black and gold car, but just something to get them on the grid, something, anything, anyhow, any way whatsoever. And also get them with the Renault powertrain, because eventually that would mean two Renault powertrains, which we desperately need. But that also loops me around to talk about Renault, to talk about French chaos, to talk about management instability. It all just flows in together, right, when you talk about Renault, but Wow, it's been years since we've actually called them Renault But Alpine, at what point will Alpine actually start to make sense, Kunal? Because it's been four weeks. I know I know, it's a little uh, little bad on my part not to remember the names of their heads because they've just been appointed into their new roles and I still haven't bothered to know the names of them properly apart from just Bruno Famine because it's a catchy name. But at what point will they come out in the media and make another stupid statement that, hey, I think by the next 50 races will be there in P1, or I think Esteban O'Connor is at the same level and category of a driver as Lewis Hamilton or someone of the other. I think something of that sort is going to happen. It's just a matter of when and how ostentatious that statement is going to be. It's going to be fun.
1: I'll tell you what, I think they already made a very, very similarly funny statement. Oh. They want to be the French Ferrari. Well, they are. They already are. They are just equally yeah, as disastrous. They- yeah, they wa- they actually come out and said we want to be the French Ferrari. Why <laughs> on earth? I don't even need to finish my statement. There are so many other teams you can be, you should be, that everybody wants to be. I mean, you ask one, you ask one team boss currently, apart from Frederic Wasseur, uh you know, which team would you like to be in today's day, modern day and age of Formula One? I don't think the answer is going to be we want to be like Ferrari <laughs> definitely not. maybe the Ferrari <laughs> under uh, Montezemlo, Braun, Tor, oh, Schumacher yes, that's what everybody's dream has always been, especially Ferrari but that was what 23 years ago so it's time to <laughs> move on So maybe Alpine just needs to hire younger heads people who are seeing Formula One today and not uh, you know 23 years ago.
0: Or maybe they're just being run by a five-year-old who just looks at any bright red car and says, hey, yes, that's the car of my dreams without understanding the operational inefficiency that breeds that company from the very bottom up. Uh, But it's insane. But they are the French Ferrari, are they not? If it's not them, who else is? (laughs) Honestly, it's just so hard to think about it. But I, I will be amazed. I will be amazed to see what more can they do. But talking about Alpine as well, I want to talk about one of their major competitors, someone who they absolutely love losing out to. I want to talk about McLaren in a serious point of view because we've seen the evolution of Oscar Piastri as a driver so far this year. And it's been beautiful because we're getting to see some flaws in his driving appear quite a fair bit. But you know that him being a young driver, they will eventually get ironed out. And to watch that development is something so interesting, not just in Formula One, but with any athlete in any sport. So my major question to watch for is by what point will Oscar Piastri take a pole position and maybe even get a win? Because he's edging there. We are seeing some improvements in his game, quite like what we saw with Max Verstappen earlier on in his career, and also with Lewis Hamilton. So just to track that story is just very
1: interesting in my eyes. Yeah, so by what point will a McLaren be on pole this season? Because the pole position contest has been one of the most closely fought ones. Yeah. Also, with this whole, you know, AMUS reporting that the fia might ban trs during qualifying will it hamper red bull maybe not but could it bring the, the could it bring the the pole position battle even closer maybe just a little bit right mm. and that's what's probably needed to you know to beat uh, a red bull at least on a saturday right but uh, it's 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 an interesting position to see i mean uh, i think lando norris was p17 maybe two or three times In the season, and then suddenly he's had like two or three back to back podiums that sort of he scored. So the McLaren recovery has been great. By what point will they actually recover? Because you know, you're constantly recovering, but where (laughs) does the recovery lead them to? That's what we are all interested in. And in similar light, by what point will Aston Martin get back to the podium? Because they had sort of recovered, and suddenly they've lost pace, Uh, they've not been on the podium. Everybody is now joking and sharing memes on Alonso saying we'll be on the podium at every race of the season. Of course, that's not happened. Uh, So by what point will Aston Martin get there? And, you know, in in a way, Aston Martin's drop in form has come at the right time for Lance Troll, right? Because Uh when they were in form and Lance wasn't performing, (laughs) the questions were on what's going to happen to Lance? What is he doing out here? But now, anyway, the team is not performing. So, hey, Lance not performing is the second part of the problem. First, let's get back to our performing ways. So, what will happen to that whole Aston Martin, Lance Stroll equation is nobody's, everybody's guess, Samuel.
0: No, but I think when you have some sort of a hindrance in life, you complain about it a little bit, but then eventually you learn to live with it. For instance, I just don't like the fact that sometimes my nose gets blocked. And it's just a thing I have to live with now. I used to complain about it. Hey, why is my nose blocked? But then it just is, what am I going to do about it? Okay, yoga will definitely help and I do that to a decent degree. But if it's blocked, it's okay. It's blocked. I've got to carry on and live my life. You have Lance Roll in your team. What are you going to do about it? Like, are you going to sack him? Can you sack him? Can you make sure that the team dies? That's not going to happen eventually. And so that... I suppose Aston Martin have just got to live with it. But my main point of talking with Aston Martin and Lance Stroll is not what happens on the track. Because we've all seen Lance Stroll for so many years, we know what to expect. Mediocrity is mediocre. It's fine. It's okay. It happens at times. But have you guys heard and seen Lance Stroll's best friend, DJ Khaled? Have you seen the bromides that they have for each other? How they go to play golf together? How they go to the Formula One circuit together? That is what I want to see this time out. Like at the Las Vegas GP, will DJ Khaled be there to support his best friend Lance Troll? That for me is going to be a big story to watch for because DJ Khaled supported Lance Troll by changing Lance's tyres with a pit gun while Lance's tyres were covered by a tyre cover. And DJ Khaled then the, gave a The blankets. The tire the, blankets. The, yeah.
1: the, the famous blankets, yeah. It's
0: great. It's proper science. Have you seen? He's actually changing and evolving technology where you can change your tire within the blanket itself. So, I, I really appreciate that. I, I love how he's great at making music, great at talking about a city, great at waffling, great at dancing, great at making music, and is launched towards best friend. I think
1: DJ Khaled should be Formula 1's ambassador. Genuinely. Well... By what point of the season did you all think that Valtteri Bottas and Joe Guan Yu would be a part of a Punjabi music video? <laughs> never in my life. Never you know, of in my all, life. Yeah, of all the stories and rumors that I thought could come up in the off-season or the summer break of Formula One, I never imagined that Valtteri Bottas and Joe Guan Yu in a Punjabi music video <laughs> would be one of the one of the things that could happen. Oh, my goodness. I'm just thinking, right? Uh, think of
0: all the people sitting down, uh, not just in Punjab, but just globally. But largely, it's Punjabis who watch and listen, right? And I know for a fact, me being one of them, that 95% of them are clueless about Formula 1, let alone knowing anything about Joe Yu and Valtteri Bottas, who are always P18 and P20 in Formula 1. So imagine for them, these are just two foreign dudes, Driving a really cool car, walking in, being in an Alfa Romeo and just looking around to see Karan Orjula, the singer. What is the context? What do they take back from it? And why does the betting company think it's a good idea to put them together? I don't get it. It's (laughs) one sense.
1: Well, I guess it's not supposed to make sense. Just the way... Another thing that's not supposed to make entire sense, which is... uh, track limits. By what point uh, will the FI actually find a solution to track limits? Maybe never, which is where the question should actually be, by what race will track limits be back in discussions that's for all of us? That's a fair point.
0: That's really a fair point. I Wow, actually, there are going to be a few really tricky ones, right? Because we're going to have lots of street circuits as well. But then Monza is always a classic for track limits, isn't it? The parabolica, when you go off and put your tyre on the end. And even in qualifying over there, it's such a tricky point of view. So,
1: FI is going to come under scrutiny again, Kunal. Yeah, by what point will Alexander Alban have peak conversations and it'll no longer be rumors for 2025 because he's suddenly been touted as the big driver, mover, shaker for 2025, uh, which is one of the more valid stories that's come up in the summer break because he's definitely going to not be at Williams is what everybody's trying to say. But imagine this, Alexander Albin has got Las Vegas coming up. That super long straight. And then Monza coming up. At what point will he be in the top five of our Grand Prix? Maybe he's got at least two shots to do that.
0: And also, speaking of Las Vegas, at what point will we get to hear some absolutely stupid concerns coming out of that circuit? Like maybe someone having to pay $1,500 to get a seat which has no view of the track at all. Or maybe someone having to pay $20,000 just to get a glimpse of it from a curtain in Las Vegas' casinos. And maybe Formula One drivers actually getting really drunk and knocked up. No, knocked up's not the right word. Drunken. Uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for over here? Uh, I have no clue. Wait one <laughs> sec. Uh, we we use the word sloshed out here in India. Is it also a global thing, Kunal? I would assume so. Yeah, so uh, will we get to see the Formula One drivers totally sloshed and heading into a casino on Saturday night
1: after the race is done? Could be. Could be. I don't know. Will Kimi Raikkonen be there? Huh. Just he's never been to a race after he's retired. No, he has. Yeah, but could it be that he actually chooses to go to Las Vegas for all the right reasons? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm excited for Las Vegas just to see what Formula One is trying. Will it deliver? Can it deliver? It's a great. It's it's a great step forward for the business of the sport, which we will talk about in the Las Vegas preview when it happens in November. But who's going to be there? What stupid celebrity is going to be there? Obviously, I've said the DJ Khaled,
0: Formula One's grand global ambassador, has to be there to support launch tool. But who do you think
1: is actually going to be there, Kunal? Some former presidents, perhaps? Could Donald Trump be a part? Well, Donald Trump, if he gets to be a part of that, will he tweet saying this is fake overtaking? Get rid of the DRS, and then suddenly he'll win the whole F1 fan base over. You never know. But as we look. To wrap up this episode, you know, and thematically it suddenly looked like by what race, by what point, by what season, you know, by, by what month, etc., would happen. The the two most sporting uh you know, sporting points, so two most important sporting points that I would like to point out is by what point will Max Verstappen not win a race mm. in 2023? Because Helmut Marco last week literally walked around and said, Actually, now it seems like we could win every race this season, right? Which, of course, he's speaking of, in his mind, yes, he didn't mention a driver. But in his mind, it's always winning a race with (laughs) Max Verstappen and not with uh, Max and Checo both. But do you really think that's going to happen, Samuel?
0: Of course. Is there any two ways about it? Like, he meant Formula 1, right? They've already won every Formula 1 race so far. Formula 1.5? Ah, that's a different thing. I think there are other teams that could take the challenge over there. But no, no way. I think... I don't think so. I don't think Red Bull are going to lose even a single race. Which scares me to a point. And it makes me wonder if Ferrari actually do come up with an upgrade and Mercedes do and... Potentially even Aston Martin with the new big one coming about as well. How close can they get? And will that cost cap penalty genuinely be something that hinders Red Bull racing? Or are they just that far ahead in their competition that nobody can close up? That for me,
1: legitimately, if we have to pick just one story to watch for, it has to be that one. And I'll add one more sporting element to that, which is Frederick Vasseur saying they will be 8 tenths quicker in 2024. The first, how much? yeah, he's actually, I think he's broken it down and he said they'll get two tenths by September, another two tenths by end of October. And then between the seasons, they'll become another four tenths quicker. So they are expecting to go eight tenths quicker. So September is just around the corner. So in Sunfoot, if Ferrari doesn't do too well, it's okay because it's a race at end of August. But let's see how the September races go for Ferrari and Frederick Vasseur.
0: Are they going to be eight tenths quicker into the entry of the pit lane and then get a speeding penalty? Because that seems like the most realistic way for them to go eight tenths quicker. No chance. I think we need to frame that statement on a wall and keep it somewhere so that we can bring back it sort rather bring it back quite like what Mattia Binotto said in 2022, which is. I can't see a reason why we can't win the next 10 races. That's what he said in the summer <laughs> break. So let's just frame that up somewhere. Keep it on the golden wall. We can talk about it in every single one of our episodes later on. But folks, thank you so much for listening to, for this one. And we want to know what your stories are as well. What are you really looking forward to in the upcoming part of the 2023 Formula 1 season? Is it driver changes? Is it upgrades? Is it some really fun overtakes? Some battles? What really comes to your mind? And the last thing that we really are excited to see in the upcoming part of the season is you at our events if you are in Mumbai and anywhere around India as well because there are a lot more of them planned about. Firstly for Zanford, as Kunal mentioned early on, then for all the other races as well. And some really special guests are also planned to be coming on an inside line F1 pit stop. So you better be coming there as well. Stay tuned folks for our Zandvoort GP preview this Thursday and we'll be back with more. Take care. Bye-bye.